Nyata, hello. My name is Alison and I pastor a little church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary, and we're based on Peak Warren Country in Warrnambool. This week has shattered all heat records. As Rome sizzles and Rhodes burns, I'm engaging in a Targum style reflection. This is a translation of a text which is interspersed with additional material and commentary, and I'll be doing this with Romans chapter 8. So let's begin. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Indeed, they set their minds on fulfilling their own desires, whatever the cost. They treat all people, indeed all creation, as a resource to be extracted, exploited, sucked dry. They accept business as usual, personal wealth creation, fossil fuel industries, agribusiness, sweatshops, global tourism, and all the rest. And they turn a blind eye to the effects on the planet. They maintain destructive relationships between corporate and political power. They get rich claiming technology will save us and party on the proceeds while Rome burns. They establish private refuges with climate-proof shelters and plan a post-collapse colony on Mars. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. They move with the unforced rhythms of grace. They aren't afraid of challenge and change, but they allow the Spirit to stir them up and open their hearts to visions and possibilities. They are filled with the Spirit's power and they follow her lead in healing and reconciling as they work to repair the world. To set the mind on the flesh is death and we see this all around us. In the last week we have seen the highest mean temperatures ever recorded on the planet. People and the beyond human creation are suffering and even dying. Borders are closed as nations are reporting conditions inhospitable to life. Rome indeed burns. To set the mind on the flesh means accepting the situation and doing nothing to change it. It means accepting that the Gulf Stream may collapse this century or even this decade and accepting the end of agriculture that will be a result. It means accepting the death of the Great Barrier Reef, the collapse in insect numbers, the destruction of entire ecosystems, and the terrible grief of species loss and the silencing of their unique voices in creation's cosmic choir. It means settling for catastrophic sea level rises and famines and wildfires and unprecedented waves of human migration as people desperately seek refuge. Indeed, to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For when we live in right relationship with God, each other and the land, fullness of life and shalom are ours. And when we refuse to settle for death but instead work together for change, 
we generate hope and are filled with joy, even in the face of devastation. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. Because our faith insists that God makes all things new. God brings rivers to the desert and sings seeds into saplings and grants exiled people a sense of home. God brings healing to rejection and joy to sorrow and makes even the grave a bed from which life can rise renewed. We are coming into a time of terrible suffering, ecocide, climate wars, species loss, widespread famine. And yet one day, even these will seem small in comparison to God's infinite creativity and goodness. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God, those people who take seriously God's fundamental commission to tend and to serve the soil. The creation longs for God's children to sequester carbon through intelligent, sustainable agriculture, or to tend to the complexities of food production with Indigenous knowledge and skill. Indeed, the creation yearns for people who embody shalom and live in harmony with the land. Children of God don't deplete the earth, but like their creator, engender and celebrate fruitfulness. They see and celebrate the infinite goodness of creation. They know that all life is connected. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labour pains until now. We can see it. We can feel it. From the depleted deserts of China to the scarified land we call Israel, from the deforested British Isles to the raised and ruptured land we call home, we see how centuries of war and endless deforestation and rapacious agribusiness and fossil fuel industries have brought creation to her knees. Waves of heat wash over her, her belly pulses, her body shakes, her waters are breaking forth as Mother Earth groans. And not just Mother Earth, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies, the integration of our lives with the land. For until we can embody shalom, that right relationship with Mother Earth and what the Lakota call all our relations, that is, all of creation, until we can live in this right relationship, we will continue to live in pain. And so we groan, we lament, we wait anxiously for our deliverance. And when all seems lost and it's too much to bear, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we see extreme heat in Europe and North Africa and North America and the dangerous heating of the oceans, when we dread bushfires and droughts and rising sea levels and all the rest, when despair for the world grows in us and we wake in the night overcome with fear, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. 
Do we pray for political change or corporate collapse? Do we pray for the transformation of our own hearts and lives? Do we pray for the protection of the people and other life forms who are threatened and even dying because of unfolding climate catastrophe? Do we pray in public in prophetic protest or in words of radical blessing? Do we give thanks for good food and for what we still have? Or do we lament and sing the blues? Do we plant gardens, lobby governments, or glue ourselves to busy roads, and all in a spirit of prayer? We don't really know. We don't really know how to pray as we ought, or how to offer our lives as answers to these prayers. But that very spirit intercedes with groans too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. We know that all things work together for good, but it's very difficult to believe. Our timelines are too small, our imaginations too meagre to integrate such suffering and pain, or to trust that God might find a way to bring about newness of life. Yet at the heart of our faith stands a crucified Christ, and so we remember. Even the death of the innocent can lead to redemption and resurrection. So in faith, we continue to insist that all things work together for the good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And this purpose is not personal growth, nor morality, nor health and wealth, or even happiness, or even a human focus. Instead, in the beginning, God. And later, God's purpose is for people to tend and serve the soil, to participate in the earth's creativity and fruitfulness, to dwell in Christ and be filled with the Spirit, and to contribute to the healing of the world. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, who rejected all forms of entitlement, let go of his own privilege, emptied himself of power, and gave his life for the last and least. He lived and died for those treated as expendable, exploitable, trash, He lived and died for Bangladeshi beggars and Brazilian waste-pack pickers and poor children dying of heat exposure. And God predestined the chosen ones to be conformed to the image of this son, in order that the son might be the firstborn within a large family, a family so large it will ultimately gather up all people, indeed all our relations, that is, the whole of creation. And those whom he predestined, he also called to dwell in him and become like him and work alongside him. And those whom he called, he also made just by placing a spirit of justice in their hearts. We know that climate change most disastrously affects the poor. And so those whom the God called demand the fundamental justice of climate stability. And those whom he made just, he also glorified, shaping them into the image of God 
making them into caretakers of this good earth and showing them how to live in a joyful dance with other people and all creation. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Will climate wars, water wars, wildfires or plague? Will droughts or floods or mass movements of people? Things will become hard, very hard, but I am convinced that Christ's self-giving love will endure. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long, we are encountered as sheep to be slaughtered. Because death is part of this story. Our addiction to the things of the flesh means death is rampant, of people, of animals, of plants, of entire species and ecosystems. So should we be overwhelmed by fear? Should we bunker down and shut up and let it all unravel? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. Indeed, we see just how pathetic conquerors are, those global chiefs hollowed out by lies, excited by violence and threatening personal cage fights. They are fixated on things of the flesh. They are willing to destroy all life on earth to bolster their own egos and maximise financial gain. Their hearts are shriveled, they have no compassion, they care not for the last or the least. But we, we are more than conquerors, we are bigger than that. The one who loved us descended into the grave and defeated sin and death once and for all. So those of us who dwell in him know that death is unavoidable and sin is inevitable, yet they do not control us nor have the last word. Indeed, in the grand arc of history, all things shall be reconciled in Christ. In the words of Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. For I am convinced that neither death with its cruelty, its suffering, its terror and its pain, nor life with its addiction to things of the flesh and its complacency with the way things are, nor messengers of God who bring good news and shake things up and stir us out of complacency, nor rulers, whether politicians in the pockets of the fossil fuel industry or media titans who stir up hatred or corporate bosses who corrupt the economy and lead us all to destruction, nor things present, the fires we see, the extreme heat, the emptiness which is ecocide, the heating of the oceans nor things to come another year of bushfires and droughts and fish kills and famine, nor powers and the lies they whisper, the anxiety they provoke, the passivity they encourage, the violence they ferment, nor height, nor depth, nor sky, nor sea, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For in that love Death does not have the last word. In that love, despite all evidence to the contrary, 
we trust in the infinite possibilities of God's creativity and goodness and newness. In that love, we are more than conquerors, for we are filled with the Spirit and we are called to participate not in domination and destruction, but in the grace-filled healing of the world. Children of God, we are called to tend and serve. So let's get to work. God's will be done. God's love be shown. Amen. Now there's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. And this week you'll find a reflection on the freedom of discipleship. Sanctuaries are funded entirely by members and supporters. And if you'd like to support this work and these reflections, you can make a donation via PayPal and you'll find the details for this on the website. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequoring people of the Eastern Ma Nation. It's a land which has been taken by force and has never been ceded. This wintry week, the wattle is beginning to bloom and the roadsides are tinged with yellow. The peace of the land, waterways and skyways be with us all. Amen.